Welcome to Into the Verse, where we share new and unexpected insights about an upcoming holiday, diving deep into the verses to uncover the Torah's own commentary on itself. Hi, this is Ari Levison. So Tuesday is a Sarah Batefe, one of the minor fast days. This one tends to get forgotten and overshadowed by the other fast days in our calendar. We've got Yom Kippur, Tish B'Av, even Shiva Sarbatamus. It's so easy to let this day slip by without even noticing. But that's a shame, because I think there's so much to gain from it. In this week's episode, Rivki Stern, a member of the Aleph Beta family, teaches us about the significance of this day, taking a look at how the Torah itself describes it, and emerging with some really powerful insights. Just a note, Rivki's going to talk about how the events of a Sarabatevate are described in a few different books of Tanakh. Malachim Bet, which is Kings 2, Yirmiyahu, which is Jeremiah, and Yechezkel, which is Ezekiel. And you'll hear me popping in in the middle, just to clarify a point. All right, here's Rivki. Every year, we have four different fast days that commemorate the events surrounding our national exile. They are Shibas Arbatamus, when the Babylonians broke through the walls of Jerusalem to capture the city. Then, three weeks later, Tishabab, the day that the first and second temples were destroyed. Then, right after Rosh Hashanah, we have Tzom Gedalia, the day that the last hope for Jewish sovereignty in Israel after the destruction was violently slashed down. And finally, Asara B'tebet, when the Babylonian army surrounded the walls of Jerusalem, where they waited for two and a half years. Oh, and they also built some towers there. Conquest, destruction, exile, the downfall of a kingdom, each of these is a really big deal, a standalone catastrophe. And then there's Asara Batebet. A foreign nation surrounds Jerusalem's walls and puts up some scaffolding. They didn't invade. They didn't shoot any arrows or take any captives. They just came and set up camp. Why fast on this day? Now, it's true that Asara Batebe doesn't seem to be so significant when compared to the other three fast days. But if we look at how the day is described in Tanakh, a slightly different picture begins to emerge. A picture that helps us understand why Asara Batebe is commemorated with its own fast day. The first place it's described is at the end of the Book of Malachim Bet, where we're given a play-by-play of the siege and the events that followed it. We find a very similar account in the final chapter in the book of Jeremiah. We also hear about it, though, in the book of Yechezkel, in chapter 24. And unlike Malachim and Jeremiah, Yechezkel gives us a different perspective. He was a prophet already living in exile, in Babylonia, at the time of the siege of Jerusalem. On that day, the 10th of Tevet, Yechezkel received a message from God. But instead of telling Yechezkel about the details of what was happening in Jerusalem, God sends him a different kind of message, a message which might shed some light onto our question about the importance of what was taking place on that day. The tenth day of the tenth month. God said, Ben Adam, Ketavacha et Shem Hayom. Write down this day, record it. Et etzem hayom hazeh, this self-same day, Samach Melchbavel el Yerushalayim, the king of Babylonia has laid siege to Jerusalem, 
And then again, God repeats, Ba'etzem hayom hazeh, on this self-same day. This phrase, etzem hayom hazeh, this self-same day, shows up not once, but twice. Now, throughout the Torah, this phrase is pretty unique. It shows up at critical moments of transition, when an era comes to an end and a new one begins. A self-same day includes an event that is so dramatic that what came before it is forever changed. For example, when Noah and his family step into the ark as the world around them is about to be drowned out by the flood, the Torah says it's Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh. The old world is coming to an end, and at the same time, on that self-same day, the potential for life in the new world enters into the safety of the ark. We see it again at the moment of the exodus from Egypt, as Israel turns their back on hundreds of years of slavery, Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh. They are transformed into free people. It marks the moment when their exile comes to an end and their redemption begins. Here in Yechezkel, it's also Be'etzem Hayom Hazeh. But how is Asara Betevet such a massive transitional moment, such an epic event, that it ushers in a new age of history? Let's take a look at the other text that describes the events of Asara Betevet, and we'll see. In the ninth year of the reign of King Sidkiyahu, on the tenth day of Tevet, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylonia, moves against Jerusalem with his entire army. He besieges it and he builds towers all around its walls. The siege isn't just an act of intimidation. The Babylonians aren't merely flexing their military muscles. They freeze the city's resources. Jerusalem is closed off to the outside. No food can enter the city, and soon enough, the people begin to starve. For two and a half years, they encircle Jerusalem, and a terrible famine takes hold of the city. Then, Batibakahair, the wall of the city is breached. The Babylonians invade a city that's already too weak and starved to defend itself. This happened on the 17th of Tammuz, which would become a day of fasting and mourning. Three weeks later, an even greater terror strikes. Ba Nivuzaradan Rav Tabachim Eved Melch Babel Yushalayim. Nivuzaradan, the chief slaughterer of Babylonia, comes to Jerusalem and a bloodbath ensues. By Yisrof et Beit Hashem, he burned down the house of God. Bet Beit HaMelech, Bet Kobate Yushalayim. He burns the king's palace and all of the houses of Jerusalem. The et chomot Yushalayim saviv, natsu. And they tear down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. This is describing the first Tishabav. There's carnage, destruction, and ruin. The temple has been burned to the ground, and Jerusalem is left in shambles. Jerusalem is then pillaged. The temple's gold and vessels are looted and thousands of Jews are sent into exile in Babylonia. And then, as the dust and ash settle, 
an unexpected ray of hope is revived. Nebuchadnezzar decides to appoint a leader over a small number of Jews who remained in the land of Israel. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon put Gedaliah in charge of the people whom he left in the land of Judah. Gedaliah assures his people that they are now safe, that their new rulers will treat them well. But his own kinsmen, they're not convinced. A fellow Jew of royal descent visits Gedaliah with ten of his men. They murder Gedaliah and also killed the others who were with him, Jews and non-Jews alike. This is the final blow to the kingdom. Fearing for their lives, the remaining Jews flee to Egypt. There will be no more Jewish presence in the land. Exile is now a complete reality. The fateful day that this happened would forever be known as the Fast of Gedaliah. Hi, this is Ari popping in. Rifki just ran through the final chapter in Sefer Malachim, the Book of Kings. What Rifki is going to point out is that, interestingly, this whole narrative, the verses that speak of the events of all the other fast days, they all appear jammed together in this final chapter, like it's one long story. It's as if we're meant to view them as a single unit. Here's Rifki to elaborate on this idea. So when we read about the siege of Jerusalem in Malachim Bet, It's much more than the day that the Babylonians surrounded Jerusalem. It's the first domino to fall in a string of events that include all of the other three fast days. The siege is laid, the walls are then breached, the temple is destroyed, and Gedaliah is assassinated. It all happens right here in this chapter, and it all begins with Asara Batevet. This day really was an Etzem Hayom Hazem moment. When the Babylonians lay a siege upon Jerusalem, the tide begins to turn, from the redeemed state of Jerusalem in the first temple period to the beginning stages of the Babylonian exile. Imagine what it was like. This was during the days of the first temple. Jerusalem was the pride and glory of the Jewish people, the apple of God's eye. Great prophets like Yechezkel and Jeremiah lived among us. It was a time of spiritual vibrancy, an age of miracles. And although the people had been warned time and time again to stop straying from God, to stop turning to the idols of their neighboring nations, none of them imagined that God would ever really abandon them. God would never destroy his own palace. But the day came when they heard the chariots approaching, the blasts of trumpets calling for war. In the distance, they saw the Babylonians approaching, preparing to lay siege on the city of God. When the Babylonian armies reached Jerusalem and set up camp around its walls, the people's sense of security quickly began to unravel. The unimaginable was taking place before their very eyes. The prominence and protection that they had enjoyed for all these years vanished into thin air. Be'etzem hayom hazeh. This was the day that everything changed. At sunrise, we were in the lap of God's kingdom. But by nightfall, we were in the palm of our enemies, not knowing what the next morning would bring. <laughs> 
Nebuchadnezzar didn't need to invade the city or even shoot a single arrow. It was the harrowing sight of the Babylonians surrounding God's city, our city, that pulled the rug out from under our feet. So this really is a day of great sadness and loss. It marks the beginning of the end of the first temple. It was the day when our dreams began to shatter, and they shattered more and more in the days that followed. Jeremiah's cry, Eicha, how could it be? could only be heard once the temple was burned to the ground, but its seed was planted on Asara Betevet. On this day, we fast and we grieve. It's a day to remember, even now, because throughout history, we continue to witness unthinkable horrors transform into new realities in a moment's glance. For the Jewish people, Asara Betevet is when those moments began. We commemorate the day when everything started to fall apart because we recognize that Tishabav and the destruction of the temple wasn't a one-time tragedy. It was an event years in the making, and not just in the military sense. The Jews have been straying for generations, ignoring the warnings from the prophets. I wonder, perhaps if Jeremiah's generation had recognized where things were heading, they would have been able to change their ways and save Jerusalem before it was too late. We have the benefit of over 2,000 years of hindsight to hypothesize about what they could have, should have, would have done differently. But what I'm taking away from this episode, what I'm thinking about for this Aserabitavit, is that we can and should remember to have forethought about where our actions are driving us. Will they get us stuck in a place we don't want to be, surrounded by hostile forces? Or will we be able to chart a better course? Let's use this as Sarah Bateve to change the course of history. Have an easy and meaningful fast. That's this week's episode. If you enjoyed, please share with your friends and family. Working at Aleph Beta is the biggest privilege. Not just because we get to share with you Torah, but also because we do it in a way that I think is pretty unique. At Aleph Beta, we believe that Torah is jam-packed with infinite complexity. We put tremendous effort into uncovering that richness and presenting it in a way that's intellectually stimulating. But what really sets us apart is that we don't stop there. We believe that the Torah is a guidebook with life lessons on every page. We're always asking the question of what do these ideas mean to our lives? We try to share Torah in a way that moves people. And we hear from our listeners that it really does. This combination of Torah that touches both the mind and soul, I think that's pretty unique. If you do too, please consider partnering with us. The easiest way to do that is with an Aleph Beta subscription. Link in the show notes. And if you're already a subscriber, we cannot thank you enough. This episode was written and recorded by Rifki Stern. And the verse editing was done by Evan Wiener. Our senior editor was Beth Lash. Our audio editor is Hilary Gutman. Our editorial director is me, Ari Levison. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.